here, there, and everywhere. Yeah. SAFM 105.6 FM in Mtata. All right, so we continue our conversation looking at the African peer review mechanism, in particular uh, the submissions that have been compiled by young people in South Africa raising their own areas of concerns uh, when it comes to issues of governance. Stephen Gross is uh, the head of African Governance and Diplomacy Program at the South African Institute of International Affairs. Stephen, I certainly hope the, uh, the line will be better this time around. Can you hear me? Yes, much better. Okay, that's much better. Yes, so you were just giving us the context in terms of the countries that have signed up voluntarily uh, to to, to, to go under this review. Yes, uh, absolutely. So across Africa, uh, 41 countries are now members. The last one to sign up was the DRC, which signed up in March this year. Mm. Um, In fact, in Southern Africa, it's it's most of the countries in in SADC, um, excluding... Uh, Eswatini at the moment and Madagascar, but I think all the other countries are members. And what, what it is, uh, you know, looking looking at the system as a whole, it has engendered important conversations at national level, where governments and civil society, political parties, the judiciary, uh, businesses have have had the opportunity to talk about where the country is in terms of its governance and um, its. Uh, uh, development. And so uh, about 25 countries have gone through the first review. Three countries have actually been reviewed for the second time. Mm-hmm. And South Africa is uh, in the process of putting together its second review. And so what we, the work that we did with the youth will feed directly into that review in South Africa. But overall, you know, I think the APRM has encouraged good governance. It has encouraged uh, policy change. It has encouraged legal change. Um, across the countries uh, that it has uh, operated in, right across the continent. And uh, it definitely is an important mechanism for mm. ensuring good governance. Mm. When we look at the results of the, 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 of the outcomes from the first review, would you say that there are tangible uh, shifts that have taken place from the feedback that certain countries were given out of that process and that things are, are, are moving forward? Um, so, again, it's difficult to generalize over so many countries, and mm-hmm. a lot of it depends on the political will of the government that has gone through the review. So um, if, if government is not happy with the review, uh, it can just reject or, or, or simply not act on the recommendations that are made by the APRM's panel of independent, uh, uh, pan, pan, panel of eminent persons, pardon me. Um, but in general, I think uh, looking across the countries, it definitely has been a greater focus on governance and an attempt to put in programs of action that try to tackle the big governance problem. But I think if you have to look at South Africa and as an example, uh, some of the issues that came up in the first review are mm. still very much with us. Poverty, inequality, unemployment, xenophobia, uh, gender-based violence, a lot of the big things that, that we talk about every day and I'm sure mm-hmm. you talk about on your program um, are, are tough nuts to crack and are not going to be solved overnight. Um, so I think there is a continuity of, of the problem and that the APRM in a small way has contributed to trying to solve those problems mm. because unless you can actually name and, and face up to them as issues, 
it's going to be very hard to put in, poli- in place policies to actually resolve them. Why, why has it been important, at least from the perspective of, of SIA, to have a youth submission on, 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 uh, for, for the African peer review mechanism? So SIA has been working on the APRM right from its beginnings uh, in, in the early 2000s, and we've experimented with different ways of mobilizing civil society. So in the early countries like Ghana, Kenya, Rwanda, Mauritius, we were one of the first institutions to go into those countries and talk to them about the APRM and how, as civil society, they could be involved. Mm. And then our thinking uh, uh, adapted and changed. And, and uh, about 10 years ago, in both South Africa and Lesotho, we did uh, what were called, uh, in our APRM monitoring project, we did reports on how civil society thought government was doing on implementing the APRM in those two countries. And then... Uh, a couple of years later in uh, in Namibia, we had the opportunity to do a year-long project with civil society on uh, what they thought were the key governance issues for the country. And then in our current phase, uh, we have three countries that are running at the same time, Botswana, South Africa, and Zimbabwe. Uh, the Botswana and South Africa reports have been completed and are on our website, and the Zimbabwe one is, is being worked on as we speak. But we felt that in South Africa... Uh, not enough attention had really been paid to youth voices in the policy space. Mm. It's something that uh, is developing and growing, and we're seeing more and more youth involvement, and we thought this would be a perfect opportunity to use the resources that we have to convene young people right across the country to say what matters to them, what are the important issues for them, and and Mm. things that came up are climate change, education, land and housing, economic empowerment, health, peace and security, social cohesion and inclusion, participation, those sorts of issues. Um, so, so for our work with civil society in South Africa, we, we decided to focus narrowly on youth, but they were very broad in the issues that they decided to look at. Mm. So you are one of those young people that contributed to this work. Firstly, what did it mean to you to be able to be part of a process like this that looks, I guess, very uh, critically at governance in this country and and more specifically at how these governance issues or challenges sometimes affect the young people in this country? Really important time for uh, young people in the country. You know, participating uh, in the APRM, uh, the first time young people are participating in this process in the country, for, uh, first of all. And, you know, it was a diverse voice of young people uh, over 150 young people contributed um, to to the outcome of the APRM, mm. and so what we've been calling for is a meaningful inclusion of young people in policy, uh, because then you know young people um, they form over 20 percent uh, of the country, and we believe that uh, our decision making bodies should be reflective of the demographic of the country. But we're not seeing young people in decision making bodies; they're absent, right? And so we're really concerned uh, by uh, the lack of inclusion. But more importantly, and even worse, uh, the tokenistic representation of young people uh, in, in the policymaking process. Mm-hmm. And so we were really uh, delighted to participate in this process because then it means that our voices as young people um, are, are, you know, are being recognized and are being amplified. Uh, and definitely while we still have uh, you know, a very long way to go um, with regards to a meaningful youth inclusion in, in policy and uh, in decision making, um, this definitely was a great start because it showed that uh, you know, when young people come together in solidarity, there's so much that can come out of it. And we've definitely seen this from, you know, 
movements like the Fees Must Fall movement, um, young people are concerned about issues that matter to them. Mm-hmm. And this might be contrary to what, you know, the older generation might believe. They they might think, you know, that we're, or the, the general um, sort of um, rhetoric is that we are uh, apathetic to important issues. But um, young people are definitely working on the ground and uh, we are definitely um, looking forward um, to, to, to what the future holds uh, for young people with um representation and meaningful inclusion in decision making. Uh, pr- prior to this, did you know anything about the APRM? Had you, had, was this a conversation that you kind of were, was, were aware of rather, or was it the first time that you were introduced to this? Um, I had a very vague idea of it, uh, mm-hmm. so I didn't know about uh, the APRM. Uh, but once I started uh, as a young person participating, I, I, mm-hmm. I sort of, you know, got a scope of what it was like. And I think uh, a gen- uh, uh, an issue, a broad-based issue, is the it's some of the you know the terminology around policy and decision making. They seem quite uh, you know um, intimidating. Uh, and so what some of the, the things that we call for uh, in the APRM is for uh, communication among the broader public, among young people, uh, using language that is more accessible. And so I think if I had known, you know, peer review sounds quite intimidating. So if I had known what that <laughs> means, yeah. what that means, uh, I would have definitely, uh, as a young person, be more, been more proactive. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that's uh, where, we're, where we're moving towards uh, mm-hmm. as young people participating in projects like this. We're, we're looking at the Africa Peer Review Mechanism submissions, at least the, the youth and civil society submissions by South Africa. We are undergoing our second review as a country. So uh, after the 11.30 news headlines, we'll get into the nitty-gritty of the issues that have been raised within uh, this particular report. I'm in conversation uh, with Stephen Grutz. He is the head of African Governance and Diplomacy at the South African Institute of International Affairs and Swusiso Mazomba is one of the participants in this program and uh, they've compiled this information alongside um, Saya and uh, Jasoro Consulting. It's 11.30 and Musa is standing by with your latest headlines and we'll continue with this conversation after this. Kathy Mosasana on SAFM. Well, coming up at noon is the update at noon with Sakina Kamwindo. They'll be looking at this. The Free Basutu Movement wants South Africa Lesotho borders to be removed. Uh, they'll give you an update on that story. And the bail hearing of two Bangladesh nationals and a 42-year-old mother who are facing charges of rape and human trafficking will be heard in court today. And she'll also be taking a look at that story. And, of course, plenty more coming up on the update at noon between 12 and and lunchtime. The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana, weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. Well, as South Africa is undergoing its second review process under the Africa Peer Review Mechanism, uh, young people in this country have put together submissions raising multiple issues, really, uh, of governance. Swusiso Mazomba is a participant of this program. Stephen Gritz is with uh, Saya. They've also been leading uh, this work and, and being crucial in terms of ensuring that it's put together. Swusiso, let me then begin just with going going through uh, some of the findings. In fact, before I come to you, let me let me go to Stephen quickly. Uh, Stephen, given the fact that, you know, you've been involved as Sire in this process from the onset, were there any surprises when it came to the submissions by young people on what the 
um, areas of governance that, that need improvement are? Well, I think uh, there weren't any real surprises. What we were very impressed with, though, was the quality of the submissions that we did receive from the young people. They were well thought out. Mm. They were provided with evidence uh, for any statements that were made. Um, and and uh, it really proved to us that this was the way to go with this, this project and that uh, young people can be very meaningfully involved in policy making. Mm. You know, different from something like Fees Must Fall, which uh, required them to get out on the streets. This required them to get behind their desks and at their computers and uh, researching and, and, and finding a coherent way to put this together. So mm. um, I think many of the issues that we might have expected to be in this report are in the report. Um, I think, uh, you know, for example, under, under, under COVID conditions, there was quite a lot about disaster preparedness, the health system, uh, and so forth. Uh, very strong on economic empowerment. Uh, land and housing was a big issue. Uh, and, of course, education for this generation, amongst amongst other issues. So mm. I don't think there were any real surprises apart from the quality of what we received. Mm. Let me begin, then, by looking at the submission on youth political participation. And one of the things that, that it was found is that there are barriers to participating in government for young people. So talk to me about what exactly you had identified there. Right. Um, so some of these issues, um, there is, you know, a very, there's large uh, voter apathy, especially among young people. Um, you know, young people are not participating in, in, the, in the voting process in elections. Mm-hmm. Um, key to that, a key issue to that being um, that young people do not resonate with um, any of, uh, you know, they, they don't resonate with some of the mandates that uh, our, our leaders are proposing to them. And so, what we what we called for was um, for there to be more youth responsive uh, approaches among um, you know leadership among our policy among our political um, parties um, and doing this means then that uh, policies there needs to be a really uh, you know deep uh, policy shift in ensuring that uh, they are they are aligned with uh, the transformative agenda of of enriching uh, uh, young people within the country and while at the same time uh, you know recognizing that there is so much youth potential within the country, and so um, re- uh, you know, key to key, key to recognizing that is to ensure that um, young people, their voices are heard, and tokenism is a very big issue that uh, we identified as well. And so, dismantling uh, those issues of t- tokenism and ensuring that uh, there is meaningful uh, representation in policy is some of what we called for. Yeah. I'm interested in the debates that um, you guys probably would have had, Spusi, so on the issue of of youth uh, political participation, especially where we see, number one, not just low voter registration of young people, but even low voter turnout. And it's getting worse by, you know, (laughs) it's getting worse with time. And there are different ideas for why that is happening. Uh, Did you guys discuss at all what it is that, can be done to get young people to uh, be be um, participating a lot more actively in politics. Um, yes, definitely. Um, so the the, the first uh, issue is to 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 we need a more an amplification of voices of young people. So we need representation. Um, you know, young people don't feel represented. We see that uh, uh, our 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 decision making bodies and our leadership structures they comprise of you know 
over 35 year olds and so there isn't uh, really a connection between um you know what our leaders are calling for and what we as young people um uh, are really uh, looking for and what we need as 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 a youth of the country and so um we some of the issues that or some of the 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 solutions that we um, discussed were uh, for there to be um, introduction of youth quotas, um, both in the public and the private sector. Uh, you know, there should be a, a, a metric, there should be a threshold of, uh, you know, what is the extent of representation of young people um, in those bodies? Because then, you know, they may, young people make up such a, a big uh, demographic uh, of the voting population. So it's really important that we, we recognize what uh, our needs are and how um, we can mm-hmm. be uh, included mm-hmm. in the discussion mm-hmm. in that way. Did, did you go as far as also looking at um, inclusion versus contribution? So it's one thing to have young people uh, within these spaces and even, you know, set out specific quotas that need to be met. But the, the, the bigger issue, of course, is also around the value of, of the contributions that are made by young people or re- who already have access to, uh, to, to these spaces. Um, definitely. Um, so, um, you know, we see there shouldn't be, um, uh, you know, there's, a, there's a, a brilliant young person always saying that there shouldn't be inclusion of young people. Nothing should be done for young people without young people. Uh, and so, you know, looking at those dynamics between contribution and inclusion, um, what we see is that uh, young people, some there, there's definitely, uh, you know, brilliant young people are participating in decision making, mm-hmm. but then uh, their voices tend to be uh, stifled out because then some, they, 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 it's done to, to tick boxes uh, sometimes, mm-hmm. which is uh, which is a really big problem. Uh, and so going going beyond uh, just inclusion and making sure that young their voices are first recognized um, their voices are amplified, and that they are the ones who, 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 who you know, are championing policies. Definitely, young people are working on the ground. Uh, you know, working in policy spaces, working in activism. Uh, we've seen this in spaces of of, of, of climate activism, in spaces of uh, economic empowerment in the country. And so, uh, moving beyond uh, uh, that, uh, you know, calling for young people just to tick boxes uh, was one of the discussions um, that we had. And we had to, you know, go back and ask our uh, ask ourselves questions as to what are some of the concrete uh, measures that can be taken to include these young people in, mm-hmm. in, in these in these spaces. Um, and what we came up with um, really was to to recognize that, uh, you know, we we definitely have something important to say. And so um, it, it's not about uh, we include young people because. Um, you know, it's just we we they need to be part of the process. But young people, they definitely have something to bring uh, to the table. And so, recognizing our voices in that regard was um, some of the discussions that we had. Kahiso Sekhare is also one of the participants that contributed to compiling this work. Kahiso, good good morning and welcome to the show. Good morning, Tafi, and good morning to your listeners. Speak to me about your own experience in terms of compiling uh, this this report and what it was like for you as a young person uh, to have to sit down and, and just reflect on some of the governance issues that we have in the country. I was actually... I'm going to compile this report, share the experiences. And it was um, great to see the progress that is being made by the civil society organizations like SAIA and the SOHO, including yeah, 
and valued young people's participation in mm-hmm. this governance um, decisions, policy making processes. But it was just a bit disappointing on my side, the subgroup that ordered, who were dealing with the peace and security issue, which was dealing with included issues such as gender-based violence, human trafficking, crime, and the disappointment was that we did not have um, the female voice, I mean the male voices in our group. We only had um, female voices. So it would have been great to have men being part of these discussions and the recommendations that have been forwarded. Mm. But it was also, um, I felt a bit disappointed that the department, the department of the government was not really part of this um process that has young people participating in. I feel like the Department of uh, Women, Youth and People with, with Disabilities, uh, the Department of Public Service and Administration with its um, APRM directorate should have been the ones that are pushing out or pushing for, the, for young people to be included or even reach out to more young people who could be part of this program. Kariso, mm. I know that you're, you're having some challenges with, with your line, but while we still have you, let's talk then about some of, of the findings and issues that, that were raised in the group that you were in. Some of the issues that were raised was that um, young people are mostly the perpetrators and the victims of crime, and we need a system that is rehabilitate, that is rehabilitative and that will encourage young people to, or not only young people, but the government to have a program, the reintegration process that is working for both the perpetrators and the victims. And so that when they, when they go back into the society, mm. there's better measures and the victims are not afraid of these uh, perpetrators anymore. All right, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm unfortunately going to ha- have to leave it there with you for today. That line to Kariso is simply uh, not holding up in the way that I would I would like it to. So, Spuzi, so let me come back to you and uh, talk about the issue of, of social cohesion and and inclusion. And, you know, many of, of those that would have been part of putting together these submissions, I'm assuming are young people that have grown up in what has largely been a democratic South Africa. Do you find that the issues that are being grappled with as a, a country more holistically on social cohesion and, and inclusion are faced or experienced in the same way by young people? Um. Definitely. So you touched on, you know, the legacy of apartheid that we have in the country, and uh, what we what we found uh, in, in in our work, uh, you know, uh, drafting the report, was that there's still a need for uh, reconciliation. Uh, there's 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 a sort of a, you know a unifying voice among young people for a need for more reconciliation, racial uh, reconciliation specifically, mm-hmm. and uh, some of the key issues as well that we identified. Um, you know, gender-based violence is a very big issue um, within the country. Country. Um, issues of corruption. Um, you know, there is uh, nepotism and gatekeeping of uh, economic opportunities, which really stifles uh, the, the, the the potential um, of young people. And so, we those are some of the the issues that we identified. Um, quite recently, we saw um, um, you know LGBT plus uh, people are being murdered in the country. Um, and and while we have this brilliant uh, constitution that protects our rights. Uh, we still think we, it's not it's not adding up, uh, you know, that there is this there's so much uh, protection in the constitution, uh, and yet uh, you know young people, young queer youth are still mm. uh, being murdered. They're still being discriminated against, mm. Mm. Uh, and so um, some of uh, you know we 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 
we're really uh, emphasizing on the implementation aspect of the policy and seeing young people as key uh, players, as, as you know, pivotal, playing pivotal roles in the implementation process. Uh, some of what we called for as well, some, some of the goals mm-hmm. that we called for. Mm-hmm. Um, and also with regards to um, issues of gender-based violence, our police force, there isn't uh, much, the, 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 the training and the, sensi- the sensitivity training there isn't uh you know it's it's not working properly and so that was um something that we that we uh investigated as well um you know we've seen uh, quite many events where um victims of rape victims of gender-based violence are being turned back they're not being assisted they're not being given uh, the assistance that they need and so that was that was quite concerning to us and so um you know some of the issues as well that we've seen 30 percent of, of of murders in, in the country they go unsolved uh, you know, and so calling for more resources to go into um, investigating, calling for more resources to go into making sure that uh, issues of crime, issues of um, uh, gender-based violence and uh, rape are, uh, are solved in the country, that mm-hmm. those were uh, some of our key priorities. Mm-hmm. Stephen, when we look at just last week, we had the release of the unemployment figures and Unfortunately, what they show is that young people in this country, um, young black women in particular, are bearing the brunt of the 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 unemployment crisis. And I suppose there's also an intersectionality of issues because Swissiso has just told us about gender-based violence. When you do work like this, what kind of consideration do you as an organization have um, for what the experience of the country, the, the young people that you're bringing mm-hmm. on board might be? So we, we really try to act as a secretariat for this for this mm. process and not dictate what issues would be in it. So mm. we didn't uh, steer the groups any any one way or the other. We helped them consolidate into a manageable size. I mean, it's a long report, but mm. uh, it has to be uh, organized. And, 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 and we, we emphasized on the technical side of things. But in terms of what the issues were and how they came up uh, was entirely uh, in the groups. As, as uh, was mentioned earlier, we worked with an organization called Jasoro Consulting that has a lot of experience in working with young people. And, and one of the things that we were pressed upon to do by Jasoro was to decentralize this process and give uh, uh, empower young people to actually participate. And, and one of the things that, that we had to contend with, of course, in this age of COVID-19 mm. was not being able to really have physical meetings. In fact, we didn't have one physical meeting uh, throughout the, the year that this program ran or nine months that the program ran. Um, and we had to do everything online. But in some ways, that uh, in, in some ways it, it emphasised the digital divide because it's, there's, there's some people who can access uh, Zoom and and some who can't because of uh, data issues and bandwidth, et cetera, et cetera. But you know, having all that in mind, we tried to get as representative a group as possible, mm-hmm. and we did manage uh, to get to all nine provinces. We had people participating participating from all nine provinces, which probably wouldn't have actually been possible had we not been online so we used the fact that we were forced online to our advantage and to our uh, to, to getting a, a more representative submission together uh, but yes we, we really tried to provide the framework and the skeleton and our young people put the the muscles and the flesh and the and the hair onto that skeleton to make it into a, a, a viable human being uh, or a viable report.
All right. And, and of course, you're more than welcome to be a part of this conversation as well as our listener. Uh, the number to use to get in touch with us, what do you make of some of the findings that have been put on the agenda by young people in terms of areas of governance uh, that need to be looked into? The number to use for this morning is 011-714-2006. That's the number to dial. Um, do you support the African peer review mechanism? process? Do you think that it is useful and it is a worthwhile tool to uh, continuously be engaging in uh, as a way of, of, of measuring really where we are? Ultimately, for, for, for the African Union, it's about Agenda, uh, agenda 2063, you know, uh, but are we going to get there as a continent? Um, well, we certainly won't be able to get there if we are not constantly sitting and looking back at where are, which are the areas that we need to improve on. Of course, you can also uh, send your WhatsApp voice notes to 0614-104-107. So, Spusiso, what are you hoping as, as young people will be? In fact, before I get to that, perhaps just tell us about some of uh, the findings that you had come up with under the Land and Housing Working Group. Right. Um, so what we saw um, for the land and housing was that um, land distribution and land ownership in the country is still quite reflective of, uh, you know, historical policies that sought to uh, discourage uh, distribution and ownership among uh, black people and people of color in the country. Um, and so um, we also saw that, you know, women smallholders and subsistence farmers, there isn't much support uh, being given to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, land tenure, especially in the rural areas for smallholders, is still quite a big issue. Um, and so calling for, you know, young people to be seen as uh, implementation partners of land policies uh, was one of our was one of our key priorities. Uh, you know, we called for um, the establishment of a land donations policy. So in order for there to be, uh, you know, to address issues of land reform so that, you know, communal partners and communal actors can be able to donate land um, in order to, to, to um, uh, you know, have more progress in the, in the, in the sector for land reform. Mm-hmm. Um, and so making sure as well that, uh, you know, as Stephen touched on this, um, you know, infrastructure is still quite a big, is quite, still quite a big issue. Uh, there is quite, there's, there's, a, there's a very serious infrastructural backlog um, in the country with regards to access to, um, access to internet, access to, uh, you know, uh, Zoom or, or, uh, anything that might be digital and and COVID nineteen has sort of uh, made these issues quite more clearer um, and so um, you know there should be a decentralization of um, you know our our telecommunications infrastructure system because as it stands now it's quite centralized and uh, what we see is that there's there's lots of opportunities for for monopoly within that field data is quite expensive you know it's very hard to afford it. Uh, and so making sure that by decentralizing, it'll make it more affordable. You know, it will, um, um, you know, make sure that things like competition within the sector um, become more prominent, which will make mm. it easier for mm. um, young people to access um, uh, those 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 uh, fields. And so those were some of the issues that we spoke uh, about in our, in our land and housing working group. And just touching quite briefly on uh, intersectionality, because we definitely think that, we definitely see that these issues we cannot; they cannot be, you know, seen as mutually exclusive to each other. And so, access things like access to internet, um, things like protection of LGBTQI plus youth, things like uh, ensuring that there's more tenure um, for women smallholders. All of this also touches on the on the on the uh, 
governance principle of climate change um and you know it's 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 there has been it has been steadily increasing in discussion within the country um but there's definitely still more that can be mm. done to ensure mm. that uh, we make measures um uh, in the in the sector for climate change our city centers for example they're filled with so much potential uh waste pickers uh, and and in, uh, informal um traders who are mostly women uh, they need more support they need more formalization they face so much uh, it's so difficult for them to work in in our city centres. The laws just stifle any opportunity um, for any pr- uh, progress or any development on their side. And so, seeing these issues as being uh, interrelated to each other, because then we know that uh, with more climate change, uh, with uh, exacerbated gender-based violence, uh, young black women are the mo- are the ones who are affected most by these issues. And so, making sure that uh, we make strides within um, those fields is is is, is something that. Uh, was quite was brought in, into discussion mm. quite a lot as well. What are you hoping you will be able to to get out of this process? Um, so I think moving forward, um, inclusion first of all of young people in the policy making process. Young people shouldn't be seen as 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 partners, but they should be seen, you know, as integral parts of that policy making process. Um, as I said, there can be nothing for young people without young people. Mm-hmm. You know, young people, we, we've shown, we've shown we're quite proactive um, on the ground working, you know, showing that uh, we definitely care about issues that matter to us. Mm-hmm. And so it does not make sense uh, for young people to be excluded in discussions that matter most to them. Uh, coming back to climate change, you know, uh, it will affect the future generation. It will affect the young people who are living in the world of today. And so um, moving forward, making sure that uh, we are seen as integral partners of the policy-making process because policy is quite a, a powerful tool uh, to make a substantive uh, change. And further to that, uh, this brilliant con- the constitution is quite comprehensive. Our policies are very comprehensive as a country. But then what we're seeing is that implementation is a very big problem. And so young people also should be seen as vital uh, players to that process implementation process there should be more collaboration between uh, young people and the private sector because there's so much potential for the private sector to assist with that uh, with that process of implementation uh, by collaborating with young people because mm-hmm. young people are definitely um, we're here and uh, you know young people are definitely the future it's certainly good to hear and and good to see uh, Stephen what what are you hoping will come out of the process of having gathered gathered this work and the submissions uh, that you'll be making? Well, I hope people read it. Um, so it is available if you do a search for SIA, uh, which is S-A-I-I-A, and APRM and youth, you'll definitely get to the report. So if people are interested, please read that. But we've got a big thing uh, coming up this week. Uh, on Friday, the South African National Governing Council is meeting, and that is the body that oversees the second review in the country. Mm. And they've actually um, invited us as youth, or not, I'm not so youthful, but uh, they've invited the youth to present on this report to the National Governing Council. And this is not something that happens in every country. And I think they've uh, seen how proactive and active the youth have been and really want to include them in the process mm-hmm. of putting the country's second report together. So the fact that uh, we've been given a slot to, to present is a very important milestone. They'll be able to hear directly from the young people. And uh, then this report will have another life and, and, and be integrated into the national self-assessment report for the country. And, and when the external reviewers from the rest of the African continent come to South Africa, hopefully mm. later this year, uh, they will also have to interact with the youth. And, and 
ultimately, besides meetings and, and uh, encounters, I think what we really want to see is some of these ideas coming into policy. There were well over 100 recommendations made in this report by young people. Mm. If we get just 10% of that, uh, into our policy, I think we will will be a much more inclusive uh, and participatory and and, and relevant uh, uh, government system by by really listening to what young people have said and acting on it. All right, Stephen Spusiso, let me thank you both for your time on the show today. I certainly hope that we'll be able to hear from you uh, once the final national submissions have actually been done. It will be great to see where we are in terms of the the review and uh, if there's been progress and, of course, what our peers, <laughs> in terms of the external moderators, if I can put it that way, who will have to come in and give feedback uh, on where we are. That's going to be very interesting to hear and see.